Welcome to Day of Destiny with Dr. Michelle Corral, author, prophetic teacher, and pastor of Breath of the Spirit Prophetic Word Center. Dr. Corral can be seen weekly, nationwide, and around the world on her weekly telecasts that air on God TV, Impact, and Word Network. Now, let's join Dr. Corral by experiencing Day of Destiny, designed with your highest destiny in mind. Now, here is Dr. Corral. And tonight, beloved saints, first of all, before we read the book of Ruth, I want us and see the scriptures that God has ordained for us. I want us to understand that Ruth actually takes place, the book of Ruth, during the 49 days of destiny. And the miracle that takes place with God's divine orchestration of Ruth transitioning into her destiny is Pentecost. So I want you to understand the first thing that we're going to understand when we read the book of Ruth is that the book of Ruth speaks to us that the time is not a secular segment of time. And right now, we that are preparing for Shavuot understand from the scripture, we are not living in a secular segment of time. We are living in a supernatural segment of time. Let us just look, uh, keep your finger there in Ruth, but go with me to the book of Deuteronomy, the 16th chapter. And we're going to look at the ninth verse, Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 9. And I want you to see this just for a moment. And um, Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 9 commands us to count. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 16, verse 9, um, uh, th that's 19, I believe, but we're going to 16, verse 9. And I want you to see that the commandment comes in the word of God to count the days. Why? Because this is the time of seven weeks. Can you say this with me? Seven weeks. And the Bible says seven weeks will you number unto you. Begin to number the seven weeks in such a time as you begin to put the sickle in for, to the harvest. So God is saying this, sec this secular segment of time ends through the beginning of seven weeks. Seven is the symbol that God is using to shift us to know that not all time is the same from the very beginning. We saw in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the Bible tells us six days, God created the heavens and the earth. And in the seventh day, there was a Shabbat. Okay, let me explain to you what Shabbat is. Because the Shabbat is not just taking a day off, even though it is. It's not just resting only from physical labor. But the Shabbat is much more than just resting from physical labor. As a matter of fact, the first time we see the word Shabbat in the scripture, the very first time outside of the book of Genesis, you're going to be shocked where you see it. Go with me for a moment to Exodus chapter 5, verse 5. Exodus chapter 5, verse 5. The person who says Shabbat is Pharaoh. And I want you to see the first person who says Shabbat after the Bible tells us, because the other words for rest, such as Noah, and the other words for rest in the Bible up to Exodus chapter 5 is not the word Shabbat, it's the word Nuach. And so there are several different words in Hebrew for rest, but the very word Shabbat, which means Sabbath, 
You will see here, Exodus chapter 5, verse 5, says, and Pharaoh said, this is when Moses said, let my people go that they may serve me. And Moses said, who is the Lord? I do not know the Lord, and I will not let the people go. And as a matter of fact, for that request, for that demand to let God's people go, Pharaoh actually tightened the labor restriction on the people of God. And this is what he said to Moses. And Pharaoh said, behold, the people of the land now are many, and you make them, Moses, Shabbat from their labors. Do you see that? You make them rest from their burdens. So the very first thing that we need to see that the Bible is teaching us about Shabbat is not just rest, but the breaking off of burdens, the deliverance aspect of Shabbat. Are you with me? Because some of us are under heavy burdens. We can be under emotional burdens. We can be under um, uh, spiritual burdens. These burdens were burdens of Mitzrayim. And some of us feel like we're in a restricted place. We're in a place where we cannot function as to who God called us to be. And in this place, you, Moses, make them Shabbat from their burdens. So that what was he saying? He was saying you make them rest because you want them to go and to serve God so that we are understanding that Shabbat has to do with entering into service to God. It has to do with resting from your labors. Say this with me, resting from burdens and labors. Resting from burdens and Go with me to Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. I want you to understand that this is what Jesus was speaking about when he said, come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you Shabbat. I will give you rest. I will break the burdens off of you. I will stop the strongholds. I hope somebody's understanding what I'm talking about. Notice what he said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He's using the same words that Pharaoh used, hallelujah, against the children of Israel. Because when we come into the will of God and when we take upon ourselves the yoke of the kingdom of heaven, we begin to rest from unnecessary burdens, burdens, hallelujah, that God never intended for us to carry. Somebody ought to say tonight, I'm getting rest, hallelujah. Say this with me. I'm entering into the Shabbat of God. Now, beloved saints, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Oh, it's a light burden. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to say serving Jesus is a light burden. But say this with me, if I'm under Pharaoh's yoke, it's not such a light burden. Okay, the heavy burdens of this world. All right, so Jesus is offering that Shabbat and that rest. I want you to understand in every biblical feast is the reflection of the perfection of Shabbat. Every biblical feast, there is deliverance. Every, every biblical feast, there is deliverance from yokes. Every biblical feast, there's divine reversals. Every biblical feast, because Shabbat is in the feast. I hope somebody's hearing this. This is the secret of seven. Somebody ought to say this is the secret of seven. So the Shavuot comes on the tail 
of seven sevens. I hope somebody's hearing this. I hope somebody's hearing this. This is why Naomi, um, right before Pentecost, do you know what she said to Ruth? Do you know what Naomi said to Ruth right before the day before she married Boaz? She said in Ruth chapter three, verse one, I want you to see it. I want you to see it because God is about to release Shabbat in this room tonight. And God is about to Shabbat your destiny. Somebody ought to say he's about to bring rest to my life, rest to my soul, rest to my burdens, breaking the yokes off. Hallelujah. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, shall I not seek Shabbat rest for you, that it may be well for you? God wants to bring you into a place that it is that all the burdens of the pain of the past are brought into a place of deliverance because the biblical feasts have been designed by God as a time of rest as a time of divine reversal, as a time of yokes breaking off, somebody ought to shout the victory. Now you may ask, why did Jesus heal on the Sabbath? Do you realize how many miracles took place on the Sabbath? Do you know the man at the pool of Bethesda was healed on the Sabbath? Jesus told him and he said, pick up your bed and walk. But the Bible tells us when they saw him picking up his bed and walking, it was the Sabbath. Hallelujah. Because why? He's showing us what the real Sabbath is. The real Sabbath is to be broken off from burdens where you stay stuck. The real Sabbath is that you no longer stay in a place that you've been for 38 years. I hope somebody understands what I'm talking about. And this Shavuot, God is about to release you into an anointing like you have never been before. And somebody ought to praise God. Hallelujah. And so, beloved saints, actually, if we look at this and we see, hallelujah, shall I not seek rest with you for you, my daughter, that it may be well with you? I want you just for a moment, just go with me for one moment to John chapter five. And I want you to see verse five, because this is a miracle that took place during a biblical feast, because the Bible says at a certain season, notice the Bible says, let's just look before we look at five, go to verse one. The Bible says now, hallelujah, there, the Bible says now there was a feast of the Jews. Say this with me, the anointing of Shabbat. The anointing of Shabbat. Now there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Watch this. And there was people there at the pool of Bethesda. Notice, I got to say this because the Holy Ghost is leading it. So I got to do it. The Bible says, hallelujah. And there was in verse two, and there was in by the sheep market, a pool, which was in the Hebrew tongue called Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, a blind of halt of withered, waiting for the moving of the water. Now, let me just tell you about these folks. Okay. What are they doing at the pool of Bethesda? They're not allowed in the temple. Okay. In the first century, there were certain rituals that were um, completely, absolutely unscriptural. All right. But the 
Pharisaic laws of purity came so out of context that they began to prohibit people from going in the temple if there were any deformities about their bodies. So there were actual signs that prohibited them, that they were not allowed in. This is why all the beggars are always at the gates of the temple. They're never allowed in the temple. They can't go in. So Jesus is going to the pool to find somebody who knows they can't go into the presence of God and he's going to heal them so they can go into the presence of God. You see, Shabbat is all about entering into the presence of God. I hope somebody hears this. So Jesus is going down to the pool of Bethesda on a feast during the Shabbat to break the bondage off that's stopping them from entering into the presence of God. Are you hearing this? Oh, somebody ought to shout the victory. All right. So there are some of us here tonight that we have not been able to enter into the presence of God. There have been some bondages. There's been some emotional hangups. There's been some stress. There's been some burdens. There's been some yokes. There's been some hurts. There's been some rejections. We are like the people at the pool of Bethesda. I hope you understand. We've actually alienated ourselves from entering into the rest of God. Are you with me? Jesus went down to that pool because as soon as that man was healed, he's able to go into the temple. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Now watch this. For an angel went down at a certain season to the pool and troubled the water and whosoever, hallelujah, stepped in first was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. Hallelujah. But now look at verse five. And, and a certain man, hallelujah, was there who had an affirmity of 38 years. Notice the word of knowledge operating through Jesus. The Bible says, and when Jesus saw him lie, he knew that he had been a long time in that case. Hallelujah. And he said to him, would you be made whole? I want you to know there's been some things that we have been stuck in, places we've been stuck in, spiritual paralysis. Hello, somebody. Say, tonight I'm breaking out of spiritual paralysis. I'm not going to stay stuck in that rejection. I'm not going to stay stuck in that thing that's keeping me away from the presence of God. Somebody ought to shout the victory and give God the praise. He said, sir, I don't have any man to lift me up. Notice Jesus had to ask him a question. He said, will you be made whole? Somebody ought to say deliverance is a decision. Say responsible deliverance is a decision. Turn to your neighbor and say, how bad are you willing? How bad do you really want that deliverance? Hallelujah. And are you willing to work at it? The Bible says, shake thyself from the dust. Hallelujah. Loose thyself, O captive daughter of Zion. Hallelujah. So now we see, beloved saints, Jesus told him something. You know what he's going to tell him to do? 
something that's absolutely forbidden on the Sabbath, to carry a load. You don't carry anything on the Sabbath. That's absolutely forbidden. He could have just said, rise, you're healed, but he didn't. He said, rise, take up that burden, take up your bed and walk. He did that on purpose to show what the real Shabbat was because the real Shabbat is not just some ritual. The real Shabbat is being delivered from any Pharaoh-like bondage that has held you hostage. I hope somebody's hearing this today and receiving deliverance from the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And we see a host of other miracles that Jesus did on the Sabbath. But guess what? If you track them, every single one of them were deliverances. I'm going somewhere with this. I said every miracle that Jesus performed on the Sabbath. Go with me to Luke 13, verse 1. Actually, beginning in verse 10. Hallelujah. Oh, my God, it's the Sabbath anointing. I sense the secret of seven in this house tonight. Verse 10. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on? I want to hear you say it. He was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. Hallelujah. Now watch this. And behold, a woman with a spirit of infirmity. I want you to know he selected the cases he was going to heal on the Sabbath. Other case he healed on the Sabbath was a man with an unclean spirit. And another healing that he healed on the Sabbath was a man with a withered hand. You know, the hand represents your work, your destiny, your purpose. Some of us have a withered hand. That means we're not able to be able to do what God's called us to do. The works that we're doing are all messed up because we need deliverance. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. Every single miracle that he did on the Sabbath was a deliverance from spirits or a deliverance from a bondage, deliverance from emotional bondage, deliverance from physical bondage, deliverance, hallelujah, from control, from manipulation. In this case, this woman also had been in this bondage for years. Notice the man that was at the pool of Bethesda had been in that bondage for 38 years. Now watch this woman had been in bondage 18 years. Touch your neighbor and say the Shabbat is about to stop some cycles where I have been in the bondage year after year. Somebody ought to give God the praise and give God the glory. Notice, Bible says there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and she was bowed together and could in no wise lift herself up. Notice the man couldn't get up, and she can't lift herself up. Oh, my. Hallelujah. 
She could in no wise lift herself up. Now watch how Jesus is going to heal her. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him. What does that mean? The minute bondage comes near the anointing, things start to shake. Things start to break. He called her to him. He called her to come near to the anointing. And the Bible says, Jesus said, he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight. And he said, woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. Somebody ought to praise God. Say this with me. The secret of Shabbat. Deliverance. Put your hands up right now and say, God, the rest that Naomi sought for Ruth, I receive right now by the power of the Holy Ghost. Now, just really quickly, say it is a supernatural season. Say there's no way I'm going to perceive these seven weeks and Shavuot as a coincidental secular segment of time. Ask your neighbor and say, are you looking for miracles in, Shav in Shavuot? Are you waiting for doors of destiny to open? Are you waiting for divine turnaround? Are you waiting for heaven to open the doors? Hallelujah. Are you waiting for heavenly laquette to fall at your feet? Mm -hmm. Oh, my. All right. All right. I'm going to share with you, go to Ruth chapter 2. I'm going to share with you very quickly three powerful prophetic principles concerning Shavuot in Ruth chapter 2. Ruth chapter 2, let's look at verse 1. Bible says, Then Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth of the family of Elimelech. Of course, Elimelech's family is very wealthy. Notice it says of the family of Elimelech. Elimelech, who refused to share his wealth, the rabbis tell us in the commentaries that he had enough wealth to finance the entire nation of Israel during the famine. A mighty man of wealth, and his name was Boaz. The Bible says, and Ruth the Moabitess, watch this, said to Naomi, let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said, go my daughter. Now, I want you to understand what, what Ruth is doing. All right, just real quick. Naomi's lost everything. I don't know if I have a Naomi in here. Naomi lost her husband. Naomi lost her two sons. Naomi lost her reputation because of her husband's deadly decision. Naomi lost all of her finances. Naomi lost everything. She lost her reputation. She lost everything in her life. As a matter of fact, when she came to Bethlehem and the women at the beginning of the barley harvest, the women came out from Bethlehem and said, this is Naomi. She said, don't call me Naomi anymore. 
Call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. Her name was changed. But somebody ought to say, she came into Israel at the right time. Hallelujah. She came during the beginning of the barley harvest. Say this with me, a time of destiny and a time of yoke-breaking anointing, a time of Shabbat, a time to turn things around, a time of divine reversal. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to praise God. And Ruth said, let me go into the field, uh, the field that I'm going to find favor in. She didn't say, what field should I go to? She just said, I'm going to go to whosoever eyes I find grace in whatever field I can go. I want you to understand what Ruth is doing. Ruth is not allowing Naomi to go. Because Naomi right now has been reduced to a pauper. So the only way she's going to be able to live is to go into the fields at the time of harvest when it is the harvest and to pick up the pieces of sheaves that fall to the ground that the reapers drop when they're reaping the harvest. She would be one that would be picking what would be called pea or laquette. And Ruth said, you're not going to do that. I'm going to do it for you. So that would mean because the poor were only allowed a certain measure of seed that they collected. And that meant if you have an apron, you can fill your apron up. But that's not going to be enough for her and for Naomi. And to make loaves of bread is going to take several aprons full. So the Bible says, look at the word, verse 3. And she went and she came. Meaning, this is something that's continuous. In the morning, she went as soon as she got the, 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 the sheaves. Then she came back to Naomi's house. Then she went again back into the field. Then she came back into Naomi's house. And she's doing this all day long, back and forth, back and forth. Okay, do you see that? Now watch this. Last part of line, last part of verse 3. The last line says, and her hap was to light upon the part of the field that belonged to Boaz. What's the first supernatural secret here that we see that is here in the book of Ruth? We are seeing, I want you to understand this powerful supernatural secret. And this supernatural secret is that when Hesed is increased, destiny is released. Say this with me. When Hesed is increased, destiny is released. Notice she had to come and go first. Notice it didn't say at the beginning. It didn't say in line one of chapter of verse three. It didn't say her hap was to light upon the field that belongeth to Boaz. No, no, no. First, she has to come and go. First, she has to go into the city. She has to come back. She has to bring all of the laquette um, to Naomi. And as soon as she has done this, because she's walking in Hesed, she's walking in sacrifice. And the Bible is teaching us here that when, hallelujah, 
that when Hesed is increased, destiny is released. Now, I want you to also understand that she, the Bible says her hap was to light upon the part of the field that belongs to Boaz. Why? Because during the biblical feast, no matter what biblical feast is, the hidden hand of heaven is directing, hallelujah, and connecting you to your purpose. You see that this was the hidden hand of heaven, divine providence working for Ruth. Somebody ought to say in the name of Jesus, I receive it for my destiny. Hallelujah. And we're going to see the second supernatural secret. Hallelujah. Here very quickly. The second supernatural secret that we see here is that once you're walking in Hesed, hallelujah, your Hesed will already put your promotion into motion. Say this with me. Hesed, when I walk in love, when I walk in selfless love, God's already got my promotion into motion. Somebody ought to say, move your promotion into motion. Start walking in selfless love for the other person. Somebody ought to shout the victory. Hallelujah. Now watch this. And the Bible says in verse 4, and Boaz came in from the field. It says, lo, Boaz came in from the field. Behold. Because why does it say behold? Because it wasn't the time for Boaz to go into the field. And it was just the time when, when, uh, when Ruth arrived there. But I want you to understand it was not the time that he normally comes. Because it's a supernatural setup. Say this with me. You can't miss it here that it's a supernatural setup. Say this with me. Destiny is working. Hallelujah. Say divine appointments are being supernaturally set up by heaven. Hallelujah. During the time of the biblical feast, somebody ought to shout the victory. Now, he's going to say to the man who's over the reapers, He's going to say something. Now, I want you to understand what's going on here is totally out of order. What's going on here would never take place. It's very inappropriate. It's extremely inappropriate for a man in Boaz's position to ask about a pauper. That never happens. Notice what he says. He said to one of his servants, hallelujah, verse 5, that was set over the reapers. That means he was the head honcho in the field. And he said, whose damsel is this? Hmm. Why are you asking that? Okay, because why? God is already bringing Ruth into uncommon favor. God is already doing something. He is about to shift her season. I want you to know when it's the biblical season, the person that's not even supposed to know who you are. God is going to open doors of destiny. Hallelujah. He's going to open doors for your purpose. He is going to open doors of destiny for you. Hallelujah. That God is going to miraculously orchestrate and coordinate your promotion. Hallelujah. 
he's going to talk to the man in charge of the reapers, the reaper. This guy is not going to give a good report about Ruth. He's going to say, oh, this is the Moabitish damsel that Naomi brought back from Moab. In other words, why don't you just say she's a Moabite? Why are you saying she's Moabitish? All right. So the Bible says, she said to me, he's telling the conversation, let me stay here and glean in your field. And the Bible says she went from the morning into the evening and she's continued even till now. So he's saying, you know, she's Moabitish, but she's been going back and forth from here to Naomi all day long, thinking that maybe Boaz would get a little upset, just quite on the contrary. Then this is what, now Boaz is going to give an instruction. The instruction by nature should have been given to the man at the, who's the, the one in charge of the reaping. Boaz should not give this instruction. Boaz is going to go to Ruth himself, which another inappropriate thing that is happening because in the order of protocol, he would tell the man over the reapers and say, this is what you're going to do for this damsel. But instead, it says, Boaz said to Ruth, did you not hear my daughter? Go not to another field, but stay here. Notice what he says, and abide here fast by my maidens. In other words, be in a safe place. You don't have to be off somewhere. Hallelujah. And let your eyes be on the field where they do reap, so they are professional reapers. You are going to be moved up out of the position of pauper, and I'm going to move you into a position of reapers. Do you not understand that the Bible is empty? emphasizing reaping right now do you not understand that god is saying this is a season of supernatural reaping after all of your weeping do you not know that the god that you serve is about to open doors of destiny somebody ought to say hallelujah god is gonna position me with the reapers somebody ought to say that's where i belong hallelujah in the place of reaping what you sowed in the place of gathering in souls in the place of purpose somebody ought to shout now he's gonna tell her you're gonna get all these perks just like all the reapers here you're, you're being treated like a reaper not like somebody who's just coming in that's a pauper touch your neighbor and just turn to your neighbor and say neighbor did you know you're a reaper? This is the harvest. This is the season where your identity has changed. This is a season of reaping. This is a season of bringing in everything you've been praying for. This is a season of seeing your breakthrough. This is a season of God opening your doors of destiny. I hope somebody's hearing me today. And she bows her face to the ground. And she said, who am I that you should take notice of me seeing that I'm a stranger? And he said, but it's been fully shown to me everything that you have done for your mother-in-law since the day that you left and since the death of your husband, even until now. 
the God of Israel bring you great reward under whose wings you have learned to trust. The Bible says, then he called her into, the Bible says, notice, she's so thankful that he's speaking so kind to her. But verse 14, hallelujah. Oh, somebody ought to get ready for verse 14. Verse 14 said, Boaz said to her at mealtime, come here and take your bread and dip the morsel of vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers. You know, sitting down represents dominion. Sitting down represents a place and a position. She went into the house and she sat among the reapers. God is saying many of you right now have changed your position. You are now given a place of dominion with the reapers. The reapers are not just those that are reaping financially and reaping an earthly harvest, but the reapers are also those in the earth that are reaping in soul that are reaping in work for God. I want you to know that God is about to bring you, hallelujah, an anointing with the reapers. Thank you for joining us today on Day of Destiny. We invite you to our website at mydayofdestiny.com where you can easily access other podcasts and obtain your copy of Dr. Corral's latest book, Secrets of the Anointing. Also, we want to take this moment to invite you to engage in extending your hand of kindness by planting your seed or offering for multitudes that include orphans, providing water wells, providing medical supplies, clinics, feeding programs, and many other services to the suffering church and through efforts of evangelism worldwide. Just go to our website and click the donate button or text to give. Text HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D, to 7797. That's HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D, to 7797. You are also invited to visit Dr. Michelle Corral Facebook or Instagram. We look forward to having you encounter the anointing with us on our next Day of Destiny podcast. 